Philippians chapter 1. Again, focus on verses 12 and 14. This is the word of the Lord, saints. Give it your full attention. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more encouraged to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. In order for a someone aspiring to grow really large muscles, they must introduce themselves to some heavy weight. In order for one to lose weight, they must introduce themselves to a strict and difficult diet. In other words, in order for you to reach a certain goal, there are some difficulties that one must go through. Church, what do you do when life has put you in a bad situation? What do you do when trouble is knocking at your door? What do you do when sorrow and sufferings are living with you? What do you do, congregation, when you receive that bad phone call? What do you do after you receive that devastating letter in the mail? What do you do when sufferings and pain and hardships have decided to live with you for a little while? For some of us, we may fall into the sin of despair. For some, we may fall into depression, anxiety, even fear may be our response. But saints of God, if you were to ask St. Paul, hear me now, if you were to ask St. Paul, Paul, what do you do when life puts you in a bad situation? His response would be one word. Rejoice. Rejoice. And that is the main point of our verses this morning, congregation. If I could give you my summary in a nutshell. My summary of my sermon is simply this, that you can have real joy in bad circumstances. That you can have real joy, oh yes, real joy, in some bad situations. Put another way, in and through your troubles... And on the other side of trouble, there's a whole lot of joy waiting to be experienced. Paul is currently on house arrest. And he writes to this beloved church in Philippi, this letter we call Philippians. 
And after St. Paul has given his usual greetings and thank yous, we, we come to verse 12 and what St. Paul says might surprise his hearers concerning, or rather considering, Paul's current situation. Verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. It is as if St. Paul is easing the worries and concerns of his fellow saints that just in case you are tempted to despair because of my prison sentence, that just in case you are tempted to think that my current situation has solved my ministry, Paul encourages his hearers that his bad circumstance, his bad situation, his trouble that he has found himself in is actually working out. It's actually turning out for the advancement and for the good of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And while preparing this sermon, I must admit, congregation, that, that Paul's words in verse 12 are quite, quite surprising. Many, many of you will share the same view with me. That put yourself in St. Paul's shoes, that you are now thrown in prison for the sake of the gospel. And if you were to write a letter, and if Deacon Ray was to come to Reformation Bible Church and read the letter that you wrote, what would your words be to Reformation Bible Church? What would you, what would you say to your fellow brothers and sisters of Christ? Well, congregation, I, I didn't think long and hard about this. In fact, I didn't have to think longer than one minute. My words to you, if I was in jail, would simply be this. Please, whatever you can do, whatever fundraisers you can have, start all the GoFundMes you can. Get me out of here. Get me out of this place. My father was a prison uh, evangelist or did prison ministry and there's one thing I know about my father. He would say that as much as he loves going to the prisons, he loves more leaving those prisons. As much as he loved going to those prisons, he loved more leaving those prisons. We do not want to be stuck. We do not want to be in prison. But saints of God, these are not St. Paul's words. These are not St. Paul's words. Paul doesn't ask for a lawyer. Paul doesn't ask for a petition to be signed. He doesn't ask for a GoFundMe page to be started up. He doesn't ask for any bell money to get out. But rather, Paul's attitude throughout this letter, throughout the whole letter to the church at Philippi, could be summed up at the ending of verse 18. But not only that, I will also rejoice. In light of Paul, hear me now. In light of Paul being in jail, the summarization of this entire letter is rejoice. Paul uses the word rejoice more than ten times in this letter. And as if, it is as if in light of, or rather, even in light of his bad circumstance, even in light of trouble living with him, literally, his whole soul is taken over by joy. Now, what is the reason why Paul says he rejoices in his current situation? What's the reason why? Why is Paul so joyful while being in jail? 
Verse 12, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that my circumstance, and here it is, have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Paul starts out with telling his hearers that do not forget what I'm telling you. That's what now I want you to know conveys. Don't forget this, brothers and sisters, for there are some who are saying that, you know, you know, that one that started this church. Yeah, he's in jail now. And he ain't getting out. He's under the hands now of Rome and of Caesar. But here, this great evangelist says that his prison, or rather his ministry, will not be a demise because of his jail sentence. And here in verse 12, St. Paul reassures his hearers that his jail sentence is actually is actually and really working out. In other words, congregation, Paul did not allow his time of suffering to stop his ministry. Paul did not allow his troubles to put a stall on his proclamation of the gospel. Paul did not allow a little suffering to deter deter, uh, his aim in life, and that is to preach Christ through all things and in all things. And you would think, congregation, that Paul being in jail would stop his preaching. That him being in a new location would stop his voice. But here, Paul is stating a truth. That is the testimony of his entire ministry and thanks of God. This is the testimony of your life as well. That you can lock our bodies in chains, but you cannot lock the gospel in chains. Saints of God, that is the testimony of Scripture, is it not? That you may have stopped me from going to city to city and preaching the word of God. But you cannot stop the gospel from advancing. And this is something, congregation, that we must keep in remembrance of. Especially as we are continuing in the book of Revelation. That in light of all of what we will hear, remember one thing. That in the end, Christ is going to win. In light of all of what you hear... Even right now, currently, as bad as you think the world is, Christ is winning. In spite of what laws are passed that show forth the sinfulness of man, Christ is still winning. And Christ will win. In light of what TV shows or movies that are being made that testify man's wickedness, the gospel will continue to advance. And no matter, no matter what gross billboards you see while driving on the freeway. Remember this, that the gospel is still good news. And here St. Paul, even in his current circumstance, is echoing the words of Christ to St. Peter in Matthew's gospel. And I say to you that you are Peter, and you know the rest. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. It don't matter if you're in jail. It don't matter where you are or where life puts you in. The gates of hell will not overpower the saints of heaven. Saints of God, Paul's attitude is an encouragement for us, is it not? That if Paul could preach the gospel in the worst situation that he can find himself in, then how much more should we be encouraged to preach and tell others of Jesus Christ in our most comfortable environments. If Paul can preach in prison, 
then you can preach living in the comfortability of your own lives. Saints of God, what this means is at our family gatherings, tell others about Jesus Christ. Amen. What this means, congregation, is at our jobs, tell your co-workers about Jesus Christ. Amen. What this means that in every opportunity that presents itself, congregation, preach the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Tell people, congregation, you don't have to tell them, you don't have to go to, 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 to verse and chapter of the Bible. You don't have to tell them what Aquinas or what John Calvin or what John Owen said. Tell them this. Tell them this. Tell them, if you're hungry, I know where the best bread can be found. Tell them this. Tell them that if you're thirsty, that I know where the supplier and I know the supplier of living water. Tell them, congregation, that if you're weary, I know where you can find rest for all eternity. Tell others the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is what St. Paul did. And this is why Paul says in verse 18, but what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. In other words, there are some people who were preaching a bad Christ. Or rather, some of his enemies were preaching Christ. And, and Paul said simply this, it don't matter who preaches, as long as they get the Christ of the Holy Scriptures right. And for that I rejoice. For that I rejoice. In other words, congregation, Paul did not allow his setback to be the final word of his ministry. Rather, Paul viewed his bad circumstance as a catalyst and not a constraint. He viewed his bad circumstance as a catalyst to move and push the gospel forward and not a constraint to put a muzzle on the gospel. Now, I must clarify something. That Paul is not experiencing joy because he's in jail. No, 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 no. That would be foolish. He's not saying, praise God because I'm in prison. That's foolishness. But rather, he's experiencing joy for what God is doing while he's in jail. For what God is doing while he's in jail. That is to say, God is using Paul's bad situation to advance the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you one more. God is using Paul's bad situation to do something good. Oftentimes, when we are in a bad circumstance, we can take an ant's type view of what God is doing, can we not? You know, a grand, you know, the Grand Canyon. Let's say an ant walks up to the Grand Canyon. An ant can only see a few things. But an ant can't see the whole of what's going on. And saints of God, how often do we view what God is doing in this, in, in our lives like a little ant? How often do we only view what God is doing in our lives from the perspective of the earth? And saints of God, if we look at our bad circumstances and only focus on the bad and the ugly then we will never rejoice in what God is doing in and through our bad circumstances. Say it another way, if you only allow and only base your joy off of the end of your circumstance, then you will never find real joy in and through your circumstance. See, saints, I'm not telling you that the end's going to be good and it's all going to work out. You already know that. 
What I'm telling you is, in the midst of your circumstance, in the midst of what you go through, things and you can have real joy. What I'm saying, congregation, is this. That God is going to put you in some strange situations. Just live a little long, live a little and you'll find out. Young people, you'll find out quickly that life is on its way. That life is coming. And God will put you in some bad circumstances. God will allow some trouble to knock on your door. God will allow some sufferings to live alongside of you. And you can be tempted to think when you are in your bad circumstance, God, what good can come out of this? What in the world, how in the world rather, are you going to get glory out of this trouble? Congregation, you must realize that when God puts us in difficult times, he does so not to destroy you, not to put your life on life support, but rather when God puts you in bad circumstances, it is to make you into the Christian that he has saved you to become. That is why God puts you in bad circumstances, to make you, to mold you, to shape you into the Christian that you think that you cannot become. That's what God does. Think of Paul congregation. Think of all the troubles that he's been through. In fact, we don't even have to think. Second Corinthians 11, he tells us, they are servants of Christ. I'm speaking as if, as, 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 as if insane. I'm more so in far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent adrift at sea. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the cities, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers among false brothers. I have been in labor and hardship. Through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, even without food, in cold and exposure, apart from such eternal th- external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern of all my churches. In other words, Paul is saying, everywhere I go, I live with trouble. It is as if Paul's life, ever since he's gotten saved, has been disaster after disaster, trouble, suffering after suffering, setback after setback. And as Paul recounts all of his setbacks, congregation, you know what the most amazing thing about Paul is? You want to know what the most amazing thing about this great apostle, this this great man was? That in one breath he can say, three times I was beaten with rods, once was stoned. And in the same breath he can say in Romans 5, but we also celebrate in our tribulations. Knowing that tribulation brings perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. That this man can say, I have been on frequent journeys, in dangers of rivers and robbers and countrymen, Gentiles, cities, wilderness, sea, dangers, false brothers. And in the same breath, he can encourage others in Second Thessalonians 3, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Congregation, how was Paul able to go through setback after setback and suffering after suffering and still say rejoice and still say 
Rejoice! It is because Paul viewed his troubles not as a setback, but as a means for God to show, mold and shape Paul into the Christian that God has called us all to become. And congregation, this is how we are to view our setbacks. This is how we are to view the fire that we find ourselves in. We shouldn't ask, Lord, how are you going to get me out of this one? But rather, Lord, in light of this one, shape me and mold me. Make me into the one that you say that I am in your holy word. Say to the Lord, congregation, that in our time of suffering, teach me the words and the meaning of Isaiah 40, verse 31. Yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not grow weary. Oh, hear me, congregation. Teach, tell the Lord to teach me to rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Constant in prayer, as St. Paul says in Romans 12, 12. Say to the Lord, teach me how to live the words of David in that great psalm, Psalm 23, 4. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Teach me the words of Christ in Matthew 6. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be provided to you. Teach me, verse 34. Oh, how much do we need to learn this? So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Ask the Lord to teach you to see your troubles and say the words of James 1. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith does what? It produces endurance. The testing of your faith molds you and shapes you. The testing of your faith makes you like Christ. The testing of your faith is for your good and not for your demise. Saints of God, this is where the joy in your midst of your suffering is located. Not in how your troubles will end. But in the midst of your troubles, what godly character and what virtues is God growing inside of me? Now, congregation, this does not mean that we go looking for trouble. This does not mean that we pray for suffering to come our way. We don't want that. But rather it says, when trouble comes... When suffering comes, we know how to live with it a little better. When suffering and troubles and bad circumstances have decided to take a seat at our house, we know how to live with it a little bit better. Now, one question is left for us to ask congregation, that is this. How is the gospel advancing while Paul is in jail? In fact, this is probably my favorite Verses of the whole entire text. Consider what he says in verse 13. So that my imprisonment in case of Christ, in the cause of Christ, has become well known throughout the Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. Oh, congregation, stay with me here. We're almost done. Stay with me here. Here Paul says that my troubles have not been to my demise, but rather my troubles have given me a new audience. He says, my troubles and my sufferings have not put a stall on my ministry, but rather 
have given me new people to share the gospel to. And that new audience is the unlikeliest of peoples. The Praetorian Guard. Now, when you hear of these guards, these are not the guards that you see in the mall. These are not the guards that are outside of the bank. These are not the guards that were uh, that simply have a flashlight and a badge. No, 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 saints. Hear me now. These are bodyguards of Caesar. These are an elite group of individuals. These are those type of guards. And as Paul is in jail, a rotating guard will be assigned to him every six to eight hours. In other words, congregation, Paul did not do his time alone. But Paul was chained to the most elite fighters of the day. Saints of God, we have to pause here. You see how God works? Do you see how God works? That Rome thought that these men would hold Paul captive. But in fact, they were the ones being held captive by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, Rome thought that by assigning these men to Paul, that Paul would be held captive. But in reality, these men, Rome, was being held captive by Jesus Christ. And saints of God, when Paul is locked up with these, these elite fighters, what do you think the topic of a conversation was? What do you think they talked about? I can imagine one guard comes in, and after small talk, St. Paul looks at the guard, and he asks the guard, you know, guard, have you ever heard of this man from Nazareth? He ends his shift. Another guard comes in. After small talk, Paul turns to the guard and asks the guard, guard, uh, have you ever heard of the one who was dead, but then rose again on the third day? That guard ends his shift. Another guard comes in. And after small talk, Paul looks to the guard and asks the guard, Have you heard of the one who walked on water? Have you heard of the one who turned water into wine? Have you heard of the one who fed 5,000 with, with five loaves of bread and two fish? Have you heard of the one who healed the sick, who gave sight to the blind, who ate with lepers and prostitutes? Have you heard of Jesus Christ? And saints of God, guard after guard is hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and believing upon Jesus Christ. And you might say, well, how do I know they're believers? How do we know that these guards believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Because at the end of this letter, Paul says this, and all the saints greet you, especially those at Caesar's household. Especially those at Caesar's household. Again, saints, you see how God works. You see how God works? That in Paul's bad circumstance, the good news of Jesus Christ was being spoken of and it reached the very floors of Caesar's very own household. Oh, congregation, and you think that God can't do anything in your bad circumstance? 
And you think that God cannot work out all things together for good in you in the midst of your trials? And you think, congregation, that God can't do what you think is impossible? That in Caesar's very own household, that the name of Jesus Christ is being spoken of? Congregation, lastly, this text teaches us something about when we are in times of trouble and bad circumstances. We can be an encouragement to others. Verse 14 and the most, and at, and at that most of brothers and sisters, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more encouraged to speak the word of God without fear. Here Paul says that his imprisonment was an encouragement for others. They're saying, look at Paul. He's preaching. And if Paul can preach, I can preach. If Paul can speak the name of God without fear, without hesitation, reservation, I can speak the name of God. I can say the name of Jesus Christ without fear, hesitation. Oh, congregation, this is why we have something like corporate prayer. This is why it's good for you to share with one another what's going on. Saints of God, I know what some of you are going through. I know many of the troubles and sufferings that you go through. I know the bad circumstances that are in your life. Yes, I know them. And saints of God, let me tell you something as your pastor. It is an encouragement to me to know what you are going through and still see you here standing. It's an encouragement to me to know all the things that are going on in your life. And in light of that, you still have a smile on your face. You still are thanking and praising God. And saints of God, you can be that to others as well. You can be that to others as well. Saints of God, as we come to a close, why are we to preach or why, why are we to know something like this? Why are we to know that you can have real joy in the midst of a bad situation, in the midst of bad uh, uh, sufferings and troubles and circumstances? Again, I reiterate what I said. Because life is on its way. Trouble is coming. Suffering is coming. Hardships are coming. Hear me now. You might be living with it right now. You might have received the letter in the mail. You might have received that bad phone call. That person who you thought would never turn their back on you is about to do so. You might lose your job in any moment. Your lights might go out. You might not have food pretty soon. Your car might break down. Your child might get into some mess. Life is coming. Bad circumstances are on its way. And saints of God, we need to know how to view our bad circumstances in light of Holy Scripture. Now, don't misinterpret this sermon today, congregation. I'm not Joel Osteen. I'm not preaching to you the power of positive thinking. I'm not saying let go and let God. This sermon is not about having hopeful optimism. I am not saying to detach yourself from all reality or dismiss your real life circumstances. I'm not saying that at all, but rather 
What I'm telling you is this. That in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your bad circumstances, have a heavenly view of them. In the midst of your bad circumstances, in the midst of the worst situation that you can find yourself in, think God's thoughts and not your own. And saints of God, as we close, when you do, when you view your circumstances the way Paul did, in the midst of your suffering, you can say like Paul in Romans 8, and we know that for all, or rather we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Amen. You can say that, congregation. Let's pray.